Welcome to the Lead in Truth podcast, also known as the Lit podcast. Do you know biblical truth? Do you know how to take God's word and apply it to your life as a family when facing the world and the cultural onslaught of lies? Listen now as Brad and Brooke lead you in the truth of God's word. Welcome to the Lit Podcast and to our first car talk. So what are car talks? So car talks are short five to 15 minute mini podcasts that you can listen to on the way to work, um, to the grocery store, picking up your kids from school, on a family outing, into town. And the reason we're putting these on is because we want you to listen to them and then discuss them with your family in the car with questions we're going to give you. Sometimes it's going to be Brad speaking to men. Sometimes it'll be me to women. Sometimes it'll be both of us speaking. But for this car talk, I'm here with Brad, and he is going to be speaking to the pastors, churches, and the elders in light of the recent persecution of Jane Coates in Canada. Thanks, Rick. I really appreciate that. So as news of men like James Coates come to the forefront forefront of Christian news, um, there's been a lot of buzz on social media as to different opinions, um, as to whether he is in the right or whether he's in the wrong, in his commitment to meet as a body of believers to, to worship Christ. So the content of this car talk is really going to be a plea. And it's a plea to churches. It's a plea to pastors. It's a plea to elders of those churches um, to open up their doors um, wide, to, to let God's people in to, to worship. If we know anything about church history, what we know is, is that uh, persecution is a flame that tests the church's ecclesiology. And the biggest question that I have is, is even as persecution has begun both in Canada and no doubt will be here in the U.S. before we know it, is will that flame of persecution reveal the draws of pragmatism or will it reveal the purity of a scriptural conviction in ecclesiology? I remain shocked when I hear many churches already squirming when it comes to James Coates and Grace Life's persecution over meeting as a corporate body. Their knee-jerk response to James's confinement is that they will continue to limit worship, possibly decrease the percentage of members who can attend services, or they plan to forsake the meeting together as a body altogether and to begin to meet in small groups if they are faced with the same decision that James has had to make and Grace Life has had to make. The question I really have is, is this really going to be the first step of action? To be so quick to abandon the collective corporate gathering that Scripture commands in Hebrews 10, 25. Really? I mean, is this going to be our ecclesiology? Is it going to be dictated by Caesar? Is our ecclesiology going to be dictated by a virus? Is it going to be informed and motivated through fear-mongering? Is this the response to the first signs of persecution? Will pastors forsake a biblical ecclesiology at the first hint of hardship? Will the shepherds whom God has called to be faithful head for the hills while the sheep are hurt, lost, and starving? Will the shepherds confine themselves to safety, justifying that they can tend the sheep from afar? Will they fall into the trap of ministering to only 15%? or 25% of their flock, not by government mandate, 
but through their own decision to self-limit the amount of people who attend worship services. This is the irony. But in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, we, I believe, see a different picture of these shepherds, of these faithful men. At the death of Stephen, we see the first persecution occur to the early church. In chapter 8, verse 1, it says that Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him, that is Stephen, to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So as this persecution was inflamed and as it broke out, who stayed in the midst of the flame? Who remained in the heart of the conflict? Who remained faithful in the midst of this persecution? It was the apostles. Even as the church was scattered, the apostles remained in Jerusalem because of their devotion to Christ, to care for the saints in Jerusalem who no doubt were suffering persecution along with them, to strengthen those who had been weakened by this persecution. And did they stop meeting and did they stop sharing the gospel? The answer is no. They continued to evangelize, they continued to share, and church, God's Christ's church only grew all the more. But I guess that we shouldn't be too surprised when we hear these shallow and menial pastors contradict and speak against James Coates. The last 12 months have been created to blind, confuse, and mislead the church, and for the most part, the church has bought into the lies hook, line, and sinker. While they haven't said so, many churches have already subscribed to this type of pragmatism. They've already been self-limiting attendance, shutting their doors as the final number of those allowed in for the day is clicked on the counter, while many sheep stand outside bleeding to come in to be fed and cared for. These decisions were made to keep quote, unity within the church or within an elder board. In reality, this unity is false unity because it is a unity driven by fear, or worse, to maintain their own personal qualities of life. It may be spoken of in mass terms like giving preference to one another, as if holding to a biblical ecclesiology was the same decision as to what carpet they're going to put into the foyer. Fear never unifies. Fear provides a facade of unity until its deficiencies are exposed by the truth of God's word many times through the pressure of persecution and over time. True unity is when the people of God, as prescribed by God, meet together to worship their Creator, to sit under the authority of His Word, to give praise to their Savior who rescued them from the domain of darkness, and encourage one another as they see the day of Christ drawing all more than near. I am pleading with pastors, Quit buying into these myth-truths. Quit running to the path of least resistance, because in doing so, you are actually weakening the church. Instead, stand firm. Let your ecclesiology be robustly scriptural, as to not allow earthly powers to manipulate what Christ dictates. Don't be the reason that persecution accelerates because you left the door open even wider for the spirit of the age to take hold of the sheep. Don't forsake the assembling together. There may come a day, no doubt, when indeed the church doors may be bolted shut, when the faithful heralds of the gospel are all shut away in prison, 
when there but remains just an empty menial vessel of a preacher left to do the government's bidding. But even then, the church will find a way to gather together corporately and collectively to worship their God and His Son, who said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Wow. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today for this car talk. We invite you to subscribe to the Lit Podcast, where you will hear us lead you into the truth of God's Word as we look at various issues from the culture. In closing, we want to encourage you to ask these questions in light of today's car talk. If you would, read Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and Hebrews 10, 25, and ask yourself these important questions. Number one, what does the scripture say about the corporate collective meeting of the church? Number two, why is it so important? The second ask from today's car talk is that you talk to your children about persecution. Read then the story of Daniel from the Old Testament, of the Apostle Paul from the New Testament, of the story of the faithfulness of John Bunyan, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress and his persecution that he faced in prison. And for homework, find example of other faithful men who faced persecution and remained faithful to God, possibly even to death. Also, join us in prayer for James Coates, his wife Erin and their kids, and for all the members and elders of Grace Life Church, that they continue to remain faithful to the Lord and for His glory. So until next time, this is Brad and this is Brooke. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. Mm-hmm.